0: Hello my oral surgery friends, this is your host Dr. Grant Stuckey. In this podcast you will hear surgeons discussing ways to improve the practice of oral and maxillofacial surgery. The goal of this podcast is to evaluate every aspect that a surgeon can improve in order to create a better experience for patients, staff, and the surgeon. Most of the information shared in this podcast will be based on personal experience and opinions. The methods discussed are meant to provoke thought and should be supplemented with research into the approved studies prior to making changes to one's way of practice. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. All right, this is Dr. Grant Stuckey. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. Today, I'm with my dear friend, Dr. Scott Weisskopf. Scott, thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, we're talking about a riveting topic of the (laughs) healing abutment and the things that can go wrong with the healing abutment. I know maybe a lot of people are thinking, is this worth having an episode on? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you are thinking that, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Never. But you would know that if you get to that point where you cannot get a healing abutment off or it keeps falling off, you can get frustrated and your patients can also get frustrated. So, the first question is, what do you do if a, you know, a healing abutment or a cover screw is not coming off and you're sitting there with finger pressure and nothing, it's not budging, where do you go from there?
1: Yeah, so you know, typically I'll see this if if this is someone coming to me from another practitioner, I didn't place the the healing abutment. And almost always it's someone that maybe doesn't have as much experience and is torquing down the healing abutment. Um, uh, and, uh, yes. you know, you can't, you just can't get it off with finger pressure. And so my go-to is assuming it's been a decent amount of time since the implant is, is placed and I'm, you know, I'm confident in my integration and the implant is stable. I'll take a, I'll take my torque wrench and put in the implant driver and just reverse torque it with that. You can get much more torque with the, with the torque wrench than you can with your hand.
0: Yes. Okay. Comment there identical to what I would say I would say every time pretty much I can get it off with my fingers if I'm the only one who's touched it (laughs) but oftentimes you know I'll do my second stage check you know and let's say it's I had already put a healing abutment initially I check it I take the healing abutment off torque the implant good it's solid I put it back on with finger pressure it's all good you know in my setting currently I'm usually there with the dentist in the office and I walk next door to the next operatory. Hey, doc, this guy's ready for the impression. Okay, perfect. Usually at that point, within this next 15, 20 minutes of this dentist going in there and seeing them, that's when for some reason chaos can happen. And they come back to me, you know, 20, 30 minutes later. Hey, Doc, um, I don't know why I can't get this healing abutment off. Uh, <laughs> would you mind taking a look? And I'm thinking, what? I, I just took it off easily with my fingers. Like, what's happening? And undoubtedly, it's the case where I put it on with my finger pressure. And you and I both know that the average oral surgeon has much stronger <laughs> hands than the average general dentist. And I'm not saying that it's always a woman or a smaller person in these scenarios, but I think oftentimes they're doing it with finger pressure and maybe they can't generate that same finger (laughs) torque. And so they can't get it off. And so what do they do? They go to grab their torque wrench. And especially if it's a newer doc, hasn't worked with implants, they're putting this torque wrench clockwise and cranking that mother down. Like, tight you know and then all of a sudden it's like what's happening and they come get you and you're like putting the torque wrench on and you're like what in the world i just did this with my fingers like five minutes ago how is this sucker welded on like oh my god i
1: think the research is is the oral surgeon has three times as much torque in their fingers as the general <laughs> dentist and uh, it's four times as much as the periodontist <laughs>
0: exactly yes you can that's on PubMed. you can find it yes Uh, (laughs) oh that's so true so all right scott so this scenario happens to you you get your torque wrench out and you're getting this sucker up to you know 35 40 45 newton centimeters and this helium bomb is not budging and luckily it's super integrated implant and that sucker's rock solid where do you go from there you know once you've kind of getting to the limits of your torque wrench and you're sweating, you know, and you can feel it coming down and you're like, oh boy, now now what? Sure, sure.
1: So luckily I've never had that happen to me, but I've heard some anecdotal reports of, of oral surgeons using uh, some endo ice on a Q-tip, you know, touching it to there, getting that uh, healing abutment real nice and cold, getting a little bit of maybe some shrinkage on the micro level and reverse torquing it like that.
0: Yeah. And you glad you brought that up. I've done that. It's worked a couple times for me. Um, and, and I will say this, the technical note is usually it takes, uh, I would say at least six or seven times of putting the endo ice on it. it it's never the case for me where you just hit it once and then i Oh, boom pops right off. It's like, put it on, hold it for, you know, several seconds, torque wrench, and I kind of bounce the torque wrench in reverse, you know, but I'm trying to kind of wiggle it and do ice again. And then usually it's that seventh, eighth time, all of a sudden it starts loosening. So that can work. Let's say that doesn't work. Or have you ever had the scenario where the dentist actually strips the little port inside the healing abutment where the driver goes <laughs> and sends it back to you and says, fix this uh, for some reason? My driver keeps slipping out of, of the healing abutment. Have you had that scenario?
1: I've n- luckily never had to ha- had to experience that, but probably what i do in that in that situation, you know, I've used this for traditional screws that have been stripped. You get uh, maybe a, a really thin piece of uh, like a rubber dam or elastic or something like that, place it over the the top part of that and then put your driver in there. That maybe'll get you a little bit more friction and kind of fill those gaps where it's been stripped. So, you know, I don't know, take that for what it's worth. But I don't know, that just seems like the next step that I do other than curse out the dentist.
0: (laughs) Yes, you know, and unfortunately, Scott, I'll have to tell you, I deal with this at least three times a year, I'd say for the last (laughs) five years. And I've gotten to the point now where I get a high speed, I put on the dental unit with a small round burr or a really thin diamond burr. And I literally – this is after I've tried, and I know this is stripped, right? I take a round burr on a high speed, and I cut a slot into the healing abutment. Like a whole new slot, like a flathead thing for a screwdriver. And then you get your
1: flathead screwdriver
0: out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But not the flat screwdriver. What I've found works best is just a straight – my big straight elevator for my just tray and i cut it just perfect so my straight elevator fits and start wiggling it and every time that's worked but you you have to have some cojones scott for those first few times when when you pull out your and just start cutting a new path and you're (laughs) healing above it because the first time someone stripped it this was years ago and and it was actually a middle eastern dentist was in the office and he's like oh yeah yeah you just take a High speed out, and you cut a new slot, and and, you know, and then you put your screwdriver in there. And I'm thinking, what? There's (laughs) no way I'm going to take my high speed to this healing abutment. But that was the only thing we could do. And sure enough, it worked. Of course, you have to be careful; you don't go too deep, right? You don't want to damage the implant. It really does work, and this is what I go to after the endo ice doesn't work. And I think for some reason, when you put a high speed on there with a thin burr just that the vibration of it can start loosening the the implant itself. On that note, there there are a lot of people who advocate getting an ultrasonic scaler out and kind of going around the implant and they think that the vibrations of the scaler can loosen it and that can mm-hmm. that can help. I've tried that once or twice with not great success, but people have, so comments there on on stuff that you can do for the stuck healing abutment or cover screw. Now for the healing abutment that c- comes off. Have you had those where the patient comes back two, three months later and is like popped off? Here it is. You know why did this happen? What yeah. do you do for those guys?
1: If it's kind of an isolated incident, then it's just replacing the the healing abutment. And sometimes for whatever reason, it just kind of unscrews itself. It comes loose. And unfortunately, I've never had. I've never had them come back to me quick enough that I didn't have to numb them up again and remove tissue. It's like that. that it's like yeah. you know, when when I take a tooth out and I bone graft, it takes ten years for the tissue to cover up the uh, the extraction site. But when a healing abutment comes off, that tissue is covering it in like thirty seconds. <laughs> exactly. um, so yeah, I've uh, you know I, I'll, I'll numb them up. I'll take a biopsy punch, go right over the top of that, just remove some tissue and put it back on. A lot of times, especially if it happens frequently, it's due to impingement on bone. Uh, and exactly. so, um, you know, I'll I'll get a, a bone mill kit uh, from whatever manufacturer it is, and just profile the bone around the the top of that implant. I see that a lot when you're you're placing your implant a little bit deeper, especially if you've got a molar site where where the bone is up more coronal next to the adjacent teeth, and you you've got a little bit of dip right in the middle. Maybe you didn't get a full graph from your from your site preservation. Mm -hmm. And you're placing it kind of a little bit deeper right at the level of the bone right in the middle. And you want to use a, Wide healing abutment for emergence profile, and it just doesn't seat. Now, you at this point, I'm kind of getting good where I can I can feel, you know, I know the feeling when the when the healing abutment is all the way down, and I can kind yep. of sense that it's 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 not down, even though I can't turn it anymore, you know. And so yeah. I'll take it out at that point, right at the time of placement. I'll profile the bone and and then seat it again. And you know, I, you can typically see it too on your on your post op PAs and X rays and, and things like that too. That it's a little Eye. but what'll happen it'll get stuck on that bone you can't turn it anymore you know somebody not as much experience may think oh it's it's seated completely i can't turn it anymore i've i've got that you know three times the general dentist torque on my hand it's not going anymore and then it comes loose because you get the necrosis of the bone that it's contacting
0: totally exact same experience with me i think 99% of mine that fall off are because of bone impingement or tissue impingement and same thing, as the years go on, I get much better at sensing, especially if you work with the same implant system, you know, every day. I mean, you, you pretty much know, okay, this is feeling right, or yeah, this is taking too many turns, or, you know, it's it's getting kind of wonky on how it's going on. So much of that, the healing abutment falling off can be solved when it's put on initially, right? Mm, because yeah. that's the moment where you... I've become much more aggressive of getting my round burr out at the time of implant placement, and really just making a nice, smooth, you know, like a valley that's going down into, it, especially if it's a deeper one.
1: I used to use, you know, round burr to, to profile like that. Now I'm I'm almost exclusively using specific kits, typically place Straumann and Nobel implants, and, and each of them have these bone mill kits. So it's it's basically a really skinny and tall, maybe like eight, nine millimeter long, looks like a healing abutment that screws into the implant that protects the internal components of the implant. And then you've got a burr that's hollowed out in the middle that fits right on top of that healing abutment. So you're not damaging the implant. It doesn't, there's no, nothing that will cut the the top surface of the implant. And it's just circumferentially removing bone. They have them in different sizes. And so you just nice. pop that little tall healing abutment on there and put that in your handpiece and go down and, you know, two seconds, it's it's completely well profiled.
0: That's awesome. That's a good tip for sure. And I would say if it's not the bone profile or whatever, it's either it wasn't screwed on tight. And usually that happens for me, kind of like what you're alluding to where someone else saw the patient, maybe one of the dentists I work with took for the impression, right? maybe they took it off, put the coping on, took the impression and then they screw it back on. But <laughs> because they're they're not experienced, they just do like one little wimpy turn or something, and then the next day boop falls off and and then they send the patient you know to me, of course, to put it back on, and the patient's like, you know what happened? why did it fall off and I'm like, did anyone see you between now and when I saw you, oh yeah, yeah, the dentist took the impression, you know, just like <laughs> <laughs> yesterday, and then it popped off, so yeah, I think oftentimes when it's changing hands and people aren't you know sure of how much to screw it in all this stuff that, that can happen as well. Yeah, And then I would say too, just uh, that same note of if I don't put the healing abutment on with the implant placement and I cover it up, which is more rare, but that's usually if I'm not getting super strong torque, you know, maybe only 15 to 20 Newton centimeters at the time of placement. I say, you know what, let's just put a healing or cover screw on there. Or if it's somebody in anterior and I know they're going to be wearing a flipper against it, I don't want their flippers smacking against my healing abutment for four months or whatever. So, I just put the cover screw. But I I was going to say, when I go back and do a second stage, I've become, again, a lot more aggressive with, like you're saying, using a bone mill or uh, to remove bone around it and making it super easy and nice for my dentist uh, to get to it and take the impression and having a good emergence profile of the crown. I think when we all first start doing implants, you know, the thought is preserve bone and, and don't get close with a bird, any type of bird to this, the implant. Heaven forbid, you know, we nick it or hit it and all implant could get jacked up. <laughs> but I think the more you're working with them and realizing how important it is, that, that bone and tissue is, is kind of a gradual, nice, you know, transition into the, the platform of the implant and not like a shooting straight up ledging type of a thing. It, it can give you such easier results and better referral experiences and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. I found that different implant systems, that the shape of their healing abutments are just – the variability is so great. One of the things that I like about uh, – it's 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 great and it's not great. One of the things I like about Strauman's uh, BLX line is that they have – they have a lot of different options for healing abutments there's there's chimney height there's width there's like three different variables per healing abutment and and so you can really kind of fine tune it to the site whereas others um your chimney height is set and and it's just a a width and a and a length it's great because you get a lot of flexibility but it's bad because you got to keep a stock of 100 healing abutments now instead of you know instead of 20
0: exactly Real quick on that note, how do you know which type of healing abutment to put on and what makes your referring docs happy, that type of a thing?
1: It's different in, in this market because the healing abutment is purely for for me in 90% of the cases because I'm doing the final abutment for most of the vast majority of, of our referrals. And so the general dentist is never seeing the healing abutment. They're just seeing the the final abutment when I send it. Uh, over to them and and it's already torqued in. So I'm trying to get a good emergence. You know, I want the, I want the crown to look like it's naturally coming out of the tissue and not a big marble sitting on top. Uh, And so, you know, I want to get it wide enough. I want to get it in a, a good position. You know, I've tried over the years, Especially in interior cases, some some custom healing abutments that I'm making chair side at the time of of implant placement. I've never had super good luck with them. I know there's some companies that make anatomical healing abutments for for different implants that uh, you know that's certainly something that that can be used as well. But I've I usually have pretty good luck and and get good results with the stock abutments if the implant is well placed in a good position.
0: Okay, are you trying to do a wider one for a molar and that yeah. type of thing.
1: So I'll, I'll use the bigger, bigger, wider ones for molar. They have a lot of the implant companies now are realizing that the emergence is important, and they're they're making anatomical stock healing abutments themselves. And so Nobel has a has a peak abutment that's more rectangular shaped, and you can shorten it. To, it comes in just a really tall height and you shorten it down to to your uh, tissue height. and it gives you more of a, you know, molar type emergence. You can get um, kind of the triangular shape ones for for your anterior teeth too.
0: Nice. How frequently are you putting a healing abutment on immediately or versus that versus a cover screw?
1: Almost always. I usually set 30 Newton centimeters is my kind of cutoff, you know, sometimes 25, 30, somewhere in that general range. If I'm hitting that torque, I feel comfortable putting a healing abutment on uh, as long as it's not shooting up six, seven millimeters past the tissue. You know, it's kind of flush or maybe a millimeter above, and there's not going to be a whole lot of pressure on it. If I have to do any kind of bone grafting around the implant, let's say there's, you know, just not quite as much width as I'd like right at the crest of the implant, and I've got a thread or two exposed, and I put a little bit of grafting around it. I'll put a cover screw on uh, and just close it up, let it heal. There's lots of people that, you know, will cut a hole in the in the membrane and put the healing abutment on over that. I just, I don't, I don't want to add another potential variable for the graft to fail, you know, more bacteria to get in there. And so I just, I take it in two stages like that for those cases too.
0: Excellent. That's super helpful. I think, you know, the healing abutment, cover screw, that whole thing is often an overlooked Uh, nuance and there are so many things you'd be surprised you think it's just so simple and straightforward you put it on then you take it off you know but (laughs) I've come to realize there's all manner of things that can happen in those sequences that can get jacked up and I'm just like how does this happen I've never even seen this before you know and now what do I do
1: (laughs) never underestimate the power of human stupidity
0: (laughs) exactly man Yeah, mix that up with the variables of the patients and what they're doing to their mouth and then other people seeing your implants. It's just uh, all sorts of things can happen. So, I mean, I don't ever put a torque wrench on my implants. For some reason, I think there's some surgeons who are because I've had to uncover some from other surgeons and (laughs) I get in there with my fingers and I'm just like, what the heck, dude, there's no way this guy put this on with his finger that strong and I'll like call him or... And sure enough, oh, yeah, I used my torque wrench to put that healing abutment on I'm just like, what in the heck? Well,
1: there's your stability test right there. If you back it out and the implant doesn't come out, you're good to go.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's a technical tip. Don't use (laughs) the torque wrench. Just try never to use a torque wrench on the healing abutment or cover screw. Things are just going to go better if you're going to avoid it. So. Anyways, all right, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you uh, spending some time tonight with me.
1: Absolutely. Anytime.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. If you are an oral and maxillofacial surgeon and would like to be on this podcast, please email me at grantstuky at gmail.com or text me at 720-441-6059. Also, if you have any topics that you would like to hear discussed, or feedback on a certain episode that has already aired, please call or email or text me. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode.